You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 3rd of January. The Jazz pull off another good win in Chicago. Do they win that game two weeks ago? Plus, it's a points gained Friday. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. How are you? Coming to you live, or, well, I'm live, you're not, you're on a podcast, you're listening whenever you want. From Chicago, I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it a lot more fun to be a Jazz fan. Jazz win their ninth game in 10 last night. Over the Chicago Bulls, I was actually super impressed by what Jim Boylan is doing with the Bulls. They're a unique team. So they're the number one team in the league at forcing turnovers. They're highest in the league in fouling because they're so aggressive. They have one of the worst defensive shot charts. The league is so analytically based right now, and they're bucking the trend and doing it in a in a different manner. They're... They're willing to kind of be out there on their own, playing in their own style. So the rest of the league is playing very similar basketball right now. Everyone plays with their big uh, dropping to the rim on the pick and roll, uh, holding on three-point shooters, and playing kind of that shell style. Mike Budenholzer did it most dramatically last year. We did it as well. We have Rudy. Um and that's the style that almost everyone in the NBA is playing. The, the Bulls are doing something very different. They're, they're attacking the ball off the pick and roll. They're bringing uh, usually two players to the ball and then hard rotating out. It's hard to do. You have to play with a lot of energy. Uh, they do. You have to be really athletic and long. They are. So it fits their personnel. It's unique. And it's hard to play against, and they're playing super hard. So they're 7-7 seven and seven in their last 14 games, and most of their wins are against not very good teams because if you're not very good, you can't handle that. And it's, it's interesting. Uh, I would say I thought the Jazz handled it pretty well. Um, and, you know, then they're crazy talented with, with Levine and Markkinen and Wendell Carter's a beast and... You know, they got these top picks, and they're good. So they're really an interesting team. I don't think we win that game, you know, two weeks ago. Uh, one, I think the addition of Jordan Clarkson makes a huge difference. Uh, two, the move of George Niang to the four. How did Quinn Snyder know that George Niang at the four uh, would may- be able to work? I mean, I understood that what... You know, mathematically and analytically, you could look at Jeff Green and understand that that's not working, right? That they're, And when they moved, and the Yang was a hugely negative player. And somehow when they've moved him to the four, he's been great. And when I asked Quinn about it, it's just so interesting how incredibly thoughtful he is. Well, first of all, his point is the four gets a lot of shots. 
The four gets a lot of shots. Think about how many shots Jay Crowder used to get. Uh, so you have to have an efficient guy playing the four. And so here's George Niang shooting 40-some-odd percent from three. That makes a big difference. And for George, defending the four is an easier task than trying to defend the three. And so Quinn was able to recognize that George Niang would be an uptick for this team from what they had, what Jeff Green was giving them. You know, in every year so far, in the last few, we have moved on from a negative plus-minus player, and it has spurred us the other direction into positivity. Joe Johnson, Rodney Hood, uh, I have to go back, but Alec Burks, I think, uh, is fair. Uh, so we've had these guys that were always plus-minus negative. And the plus-minus negative guys are suddenly when we... And I'm not a big believer in individual personal plus-minus. And yet, uh, it seems to be that there's an impact there. Uh, there's a lot of aspects of last night's game I thought were impressive. I mean, one, I just thought the Jazz were good. They only had two live ball turnovers in the first half. They're back-to-back plays by Jordan Clarkson. Then they add a plethora of them to open the third quarter. And then when it got late, they tighten the screws again. Uh, the, because of the way the Bulls were playing, the Jazz could not go to Donovan. Donovan Mitchell would come off a pick in the pick and roll, and a second guy would be on him immediately, meaning that now the Jazz had to do something else. This is also a game I don't think we win a year ago because if we'd taken the ball out of Donovan's hands late in games last year, the way the Bulls were with two guys impacting the ball, I don't know who else makes those plays. And so in this circumstance, Quinn really relied on Boyan Bogdanovich and went to Boyan Bogdanovich, isolation, powering into the post on smaller, not very good defenders. Part of what the Bulls do is cover up that they're, other than Chris Dunn, he is great. Oh my gosh, is he a great defensive player. Uh, he is not a very good offensive player, but he is a great, great defensive player. The is that they cover up some of their other guys who aren't very good defensive players. Probably marketing is not great. Zach's not great. Boy, is he skilled though. And when they cover they by having everyone rotating and moving and and getting out and they close on shooters incredibly well, they in turn you have a hard time being able to get your you, you don't have to be exposed in one on one matchups as much. What the Jazz did is ran Boyan isolated late in the game into the post on guys, and Boyan answered, predominantly on Levine. Pretty impressive. Wildly impressive performance by Zach, by uh, Boyan Bogdanovich. The, I mean, there's a point when you're just a professional scorer, and last night was Bogdanovich. So he's 0 of 5 from 3. He's 5 of 13 overall. He is actually really struggling a little bit. Uh, right now, he came in shooting 39% from the field and 31% from three over the last five games. And then he goes and scores 10 fourth-quarter points. And his 10 fourth-quarter points come in the post, largely. Or one-on-one isolation. 
pretty interesting. Game's down to 86, or game's down to 84-80. Bulls go on a nice little run, and we've got seven minutes left. And Bogdanovich gets fouled by Sadoransky. He'll get two free throws. Bogdanovich hits a seven-foot jumper. It's 88-83. Royce finds uh, Gobert for a vicious dunk. Then five. Now it's 90 to 85. 527 left. Bogdanovich with a nine-footer. Bogdanovich misses at 92-85, but the next time down draws a foul on Levine for two more free throws. Ingles hits Gobert for a dunk. Bogdanovich misses the three. It's night now down to 96 all. 127 left. Bogdanovich goes in the post for two free throws. Another Gobert dunk from an Ingles give. Donovan gets two free throws with 19 seconds left. So Quinn Snyder adjusts off their defense to run pick and rolls that get the ball out of Donovan's hands, into the hands of Joe Ingles and finding Rudy Gobert and Bogdanovich isolated. That's a versatility I don't think we had a year ago. Pretty impressive. You've all heard about meditation, uh, mental fitness. So there's an app called Calm. It's the number one app for sleep and meditation. I actually use it quite a bit. Uh, LeBron James has teamed up with Calm to help train your mind. I try to do the daily Calm every day. I'm not sure it works. I'm not sure um, only because I'm crazy, but I think I get the concept of slowing myself down, feeling my, you know, understanding uh, getting a little bit of control, training the brain. It's pretty interesting. Uh, Calm.com slash locked on NBA. Get 20% off your Calm membership. Uh, for LeBron James, he uses it for sleep as part of his mental fitness. I use it for the meditation aspect of things, trying to just take 10, sometimes 30 minutes to myself to slow everything down around me and regain control, regain that grounding. Uh, for limited time, our listeners can join LeBron using Calm for with a 40% discount at the annual membership, calm.com slash LockedOnNBA. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the Calm app. Let me know about it because I have been doing it. It's interesting when you, you get into meditation, it's one of those things you want to share with people, so feel free. Uh, to share with me, calm.com slash locked on NBA. Today's show is also brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street in Murray, located in Linden and in Logan. The 2020s are going to be amazing for Hyundai as they continue to come out with great products. The Palisade has just moved the meter hugely. The new Sonata is amazing. I've uh, purchased the Santa Fe uh, many years back and uh, very pleased with what we uh, got from the Santa Fe. The Hyundai brand is one that if you don't know it already, check it out. I think you'll be surprised at how much you get uh, for the Hyundai with your Hyundai and all the bells and whistles at such a great reasonable price and super safety ratings. And the Murdochs want to make sure you have a no regrets experience. Whether it's in Logan, Linden, or in Murray at 4646 South State Street, make sure you email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com. That's dlock09 at gmail.com so we can set up who you're supposed to see. Jason Kreitch 
uh, over at the Murray store tech, uh, texted me the other day that he had another customer come in and got a Hyundai uh, through Locked On. So thank you very much, uh, whoever that was. I uh, hope it worked out well and you got treated great because that's what the Murdochs do. Murdoch Hyundai, 4646 South State Street. Probably shouldn't be this far into the program without talking about Rudy Gobert. I mean, both offensively and defensively last night. Those dunks late were just awesome. One of them was just a commitment to the rim at the highest level that was just incredible. Uh, And then late in the game, blocking Zach Levine on the final play of the game uh, and then denying Levine uh, the play before. That's a a pretty strong night uh, for Rudy. And a the dunks are the Jazz over time adjusting to the Bulls' defense. The Bulls' defense gets less good by the quarter. Teams get used to it. It's unique. No one else is playing it that way. And they're beginning, and you know, and people begin to um, react to it. Last night on defended field goal attempts, so when Rudy was defending a field goal, the Bulls were 6 of 17, 35%. Um Rudy had just one of those impressively uh, impactful games. And you see it kind of every night. Guys drive in the lane. They see Rudy. They try it early. They get blocked. And then there's nowhere. Uh, and and then they, they, they kind of don't try it again. What's interesting about last night is, and this is why I thought this win was so impressive by Utah, is again, the way the Bulls play, the, Rudy got one screen assist all night last night. The Jazz only had two screen assists for the entire night because of the way the Bulls were playing. And so they had to find other ways to score last night and play in a different style. Quinn had them perfectly prepared for it, but it's still not an easy concept to be able to do that. So offensively, they had to adjust, and then defensively, Rudy was just great. Rudy ends up, you know, guarding everyone throughout the night. And Zach Levine was one of six last night when guarded by, by the end of a play, guarded by Rudy Gobert. That's that's just where Levine is, you know, where Rudy's great. The Jazz, I thought, struggled... Last night, maintaining the ball, durable penetration. They were shading Levine to his left because when he gets going right, he's he's just really, really tough to deal with. And they and they open. It became a little bit too much of a straight line, open line drive for Levine. Um, Though you know what, sometimes you gotta let a night play out. So Levine last night, twenty six points on twenty six shots. So it certainly felt like it wasn't great at times. But by the end of the night, you know, that defensive game plan worked beautifully. And I think that's sometimes tricky. We, you know, we're in, in this day and age of Twitter and everything else and play-by-play and, you know, we're analyzing everything as it's happening and in the moment. And I'm not sure that that always leads us to the best analysis. Um, but, you know, that Levine felt like he had a straight line to the basket for a while. The ratings last night, the Jazz offense was about a 109. The defense was a 105. So it was, you know, a little bit better than average for us and right about where we should be defensively. 
Um, that's just a solid win. Frankly, the line was three and a half. We won by four. And it's a game that, as I'm saying, I don't think we grab uh, two weeks ago. And I'm just – there were just a – Joe Ingles, 10 assists last night. That's, you know, getting off – Donovan, seven assists. They're forcing you to get rid of the ball. They're not going to let those – the ball hand, – pick and roll ball handler make the play. Oh, my gosh, I haven't talked about Tony Bradley yet. Tony Bradley last night, 13 minutes, seven rebounds, great rim defense. Played the best game of his career last night. Uh, that was that was super cool to see um, because he has certainly been, you know, working hard, so foul prone, trying so hard. The guys are totally, you know, it's interesting. Everyone, you know, these guys know what's going on. They know how badly they need Tony Bradley backup center minutes to be good for this team. And you could see it from Donovan last night, how excited he was uh, to have, when when Tony was making plays and then and then Tony was rolling to the basket and finishing. Right? Tony and Gobert combined last night for twenty three points. Cause Tony had three rolls to the basket, I think all from Ingles, where one they're beginning to read each other, but that same defensive style. The thing about the defensive style that Boylan puts out there is once you start to figure it out, you should be able to get good shots and good looks. But unless you're really good, you're not gonna be able to do that. That's that's where that works for, and it's pretty interesting that he's got a young team that's that good defensively. Young teams usually aren't that good defensively. That's the shot frequency last night. The Jazz had fifteen percent of their shots as corner threes, and what really happened in the game is that the Jazz had nine shots as corner threes in the first half. They then only got two in the second, third quarter because the Bulls had adjusted, and that's when the Jazz started to find Tony Bradley and Rudy Gobert's on the rolls. I mean, those are exactly what you're supposed to have happen offensively is that if a team's overplaying you, there's a hole in their defense. The Jazz exploited that hole, and then when, which was the corner three on the skip pass, when the Bulls adjusted to that, Jazz turned it over the first three possessions of the second half. It's a lot of it because of that. Then the Jazz adjusted and started to find the roller. Jazz ended up last night with 40% of their shots at the rim and 35% of their shots as threes. That's a lot closer to the shot distribution that the Jazz want. That Bulls defense allows for that more than the rest of the league in the way the rest of the league is playing. The Bulls also, by the way, last night were 14 of 34 at the rim. 14 of 34 at the rim. 41% shooting. That, my friends, is the value of Rudy Gobert. That's a really solid win. Off to Orlando, who's without Jonathan Isaac. Be another good, that's a good defensive team that can't score. So if we can play defensively, we should be able to shut down this them and then head down to New Orleans. We're not favored tomorrow, though, I don't think. I'll have to go look at what the Vegas line is when it comes in. Uh, Rudy's block of Zach Levine covered the spread for a bunch of people. Last night, which is wild. Intercap lending has become the lending home for Utahns. They have been with Locked On Jazz now for about uh, two years. And Steve Carter just does amazing, amazing work over at Intercap. The reviews continue to come in at the highest level um, and do impressive work. They continue to expand 
uh, into other states. Why? Because they get deals done. See, it's a really simple business. Realtors want to use Intercap because realtors don't get paid till deals are done. Clients want to use Intercap because Intercap's creative. They're highly responsive. They embrace change. They have a great borrower experience. And as a direct issuer, they service your loan. So it's a long-term relationship, better for the customer, and also gives them some flexibility with all sorts. I don't want to bore you with the no overlay and all this. But what I do want to tell you is about Steve Carter. Because Steve Carter is your personal loan officer at Intercap Lending, and he just continues to blow people out of the water with his amazing customer service. The amount of emails that I now have from people that say Steve Carter is wildly the best that they've ever experienced in the business. It's super cool um, to see. Uh, and you can give Steve a call. He is um, he is our lender. You give Steve a call at the following number, 385-800-8528, 385-800-8528. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 19 19- Zero four sixty five. Time for a points gained Friday. For those of you that are new to points gained, it is the locked on jazz offensive metric that I've created that values how a player uses an individual possession compared to league average. Uh, and then uh, credits you, the more possessions you use, the better you your impact are, and the idea is if somebody uses 20 possessions a night compared to what if average players or the league average were to combine to use those 20 possessions, how many points does a player score more than average uh, or less than average in that time period? So each year we usually have one, um, and and it's a per-game rating, so if you're new to it, welcome. Uh, it's exclusive to us. Usually we have one player who's about up in the high threes, two or three players that are in threes, and then about uh, ten players that are over two per game as your kind of metric. Anything positive, frankly, is good. The model in team-building standpoint is trying to find if you can get a roster where everybody on the roster is above average. Uh, here's your offensive leader. James Harden is blowing the league away. He's at a 5.0. Uh, if we go back a few years to Steph Curry, uh, when he had the unbelievable year in 17-18, he was a 4.7. In the 15-16 year, he was a 5.8. So James Harden is having the best year since anyone, since Steph Curry's amazing 15-16 year where Curry shot 50% from the field, 45% from three, and 91% from the line. But Harden is a 5.0, is having two times the offensive impact of all but one or two players in the NBA right now. It's not even close. Uh, He should win the MVP. Uh, He's overcoming Russell Westbrook's inefficiencies at an amazing level. So Harden's at a 5.0, historic level from Harden. Carl Anthony Towns, who hasn't played in a while, is the second most impactful offensive player at 3.9. The third most impactful offensive player now is Rudy Gobert at 2.8. Giannis Antetokounmpo is at 2.7. So how can that be? How can Rudy rate higher than Giannis? Well, in the 11 scoring opportunities a night, Rudy's using his possessions. 
He shoots 68% from the field. He goes to the line 19% of his possessions. He scores 2.8 points more than the average player. Giannis, who's not as efficient, but still fabulous, in 25 scoring opportunities is 2.7. There's a value to Giannis because he's using 15 more scoring opportunities a night, so they aren't going somewhere else. There's a value to Rudy if you have other high-level scorers around you. Giannis is at 2.7. Rashawn Holmes is at 2.6. The dunkers matter. This whole league is about trying to keep people off the rim, so those guys who get on the rim are certainly important. Brandon Clark in Memphis is at 2.6. Luka Doncic is at 2.5. Duncan Robinson is at 2.5. Devin Booker at 2.4, Mitchell Robinson at 2.2, George Hill 2.1, Mo Wagner 2.1, Jalen Brown 2.1, Brandon Ingram, Jared Allen, Davis Bertans, and Anthony Davis are at 2. Something's going on here. This list has far more different types of players on it than we've had in years past. As I'm looking at this, I look at it with you for the first time. Something's going on here. And what it is, I think, is that the the league is trying to deny the rim at se- and the three at such a high level that those guys that are exclusive rim or exclusive three might be becoming more valuable than ever before. And then, so Mo, Mo Wagner is really kind of out there. I'm not quite sure. Well, he's taking 25% of his possessions as threes. Jalen Brown in Boston at 2.1 is really interesting. I mean, the ones that the non- the non-kind of one-dimensional guys are Harden, Towns, Atatakumbo, Luca, Devin Booker, George Hill, Jalen Brown, Brandon Ingram, Anthony Davis. And those right now are the most impactful offensive players. Dame's right behind on that list. And then the rest of them are these kind of one-dimensional Rudy Gobert, Rashawn Holmes, Brandon Clark, Duncan Robinson, three-point shooter, Mitchell Robinson, Dunker, Jared Allen, Dunker, Davis Bertans, three-point shooter. If you have one of those guys who can do one of those two things, I think their value is up. Interesting. Something's changing there. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens with that. The players who are having the largest negative impact offensively are the following. Jordan Poole still kind of hovers at minus 3.5. R.J. Barrett, minus 3.2. Justice Winslow's minus 3.1, which is Miami is playing without him right now and playing so well, when he comes back, it will hurt them. Jarrett Culver's a minus 2.8. Blake Griffin's a minus 2.6. That body is really falling apart. Cam Reddish, minus 2.6, so all the rookies. Russell Westbrook, minus 2.4. Dwayne Bacon, minus 2.4. Eric Gordon, minus 2.3. He comes back from injury. Will he spur on the Rockets, or is it another negative offensive player? Alfred Payton, minus 2.3. Karis LeVert comes back for Brooklyn. They're all excited, but he's a minus 2.2. Let's see what he does. Dennis Smith, minus 2.2 in New York. Aaron Gordon, minus 1.9 in Orlando, and he's going to have an increased rate. Kobe White, minus 1.9 in Chicago. So those are the players. Drew Holiday, for all the talk of him right now, minus 1.6. Those are the players. Carmelo, you're wondering, minus 1.5. 
other players that are minus that might surprise you. So someone that the general public kind of thinks of as a positive offensive player who is a minus one or more. Both Colin Sexton and Darius Garland in their second year. Marvin Bagley, DeAndre Ayton, Ricky Rubio minus 1.1. But no real surprises. The league's gotten smarter, frankly. Uh, Marcus Holes in minus 1.1. Jason Tatum is a minus one for all the talk. That team's being carried by Gordon and Jalen Brown right now. Terry Rozier is a minus 0.9. I think probably people are aware of that. All right, let's look at the Utah Jazz. And where we sit, Rudy obviously having a huge impact and covering up a lot of our at 2.8. Boyan is a 1.3. Royce O'Neal a 0.7. Joe Ingles is now positive at 0.6. Jordan Clarkson's positive at 0.6. That is Clarkson for the season. Boy, that's a huge change. Tony Bradley's a positive at 0.5. George Niang's a positive at 0.3. Look at that. All of a sudden, our entire rotation is positive other than Mike Conley. Donovan Mitchell's a minus .1, and Emmanuel Moody is a minus .1, but call him even. We suddenly have done it. That is what a championship team is built as, where every possession is above league average. That's, that's what you have to build. So Mike Conley's got to come around. He's a minus 1.8. I'm sure he will. But Ed Davis was minus .5. Jeff Green is minus .5. Williams, Goss, Stanton, Kidd. The Jazz suddenly have every single one of their offensive players as average. It's pretty interesting. Interesting to look at Houston and Denver. Houston won't be because they've got Russ. But they also have the greatest offensive player in the world. Um, Clint Capella is a, minus, is a plus. P.J. Tucker plus. Daniel House plus. Ben McLemore, Tyson Chandler, Chris. They're, they're, Tabo's not giving him much. Austin Rivers is a minus. And Ryan Anderson back for two games is a minus. And so Eric Gordon will be the question. Denver, who's shifted their whole bench and has suddenly hit a huge spark, has Gary Harris is a minus. Will Barton is a minus. They got Malik Beasley and Torrey Craig out. And Juan Herman Gomez, but Jamal Murray is a minus point nine. Interesting. All right, let's look at the last 10 games. Who are the hottest players in the NBA? I always love doing this with you. I have not done this. Um, I put the numbers in, and then I hit the sort button when we do this together because it's always kind of surprising to see. James Harden is at a 6.3 recently. Wow. That is crazy. Duncan Robinson is the second hottest, most impactful player in the league. He's shooting 53% from three over the last 10 games, playing 30 minutes a night. He's a 4.6. Joe Ingles is the third most impactful offensive player recently at a 4.1. Good for Joe. Nikola Jokic has clicked in at 3.7. Joel Embiid after that at 3.6. Rudy Gobert at 3.4. Mitchell Robinson, Brandon Clark. Eric Gordon back for his two games has been great. We'll see whether that lasts. Jonas Valanciunas, Rashawn Holmes, Jalen Brown we mentioned already, Jaron Jackson in Memphis playing great, George Hill killing it. Brandon Ingram killing it, big names. I'm just kind of jumping. Jordan Clarkson, 2.1 over the last 10 games. 
that's unlikely to sustain. That's pretty high level for. Um, but that's hot. That's a hot streak. Joe Ingles, third best in the NBA. Coldest players in the league, Blake Griffin, Torian Prince, Aaron Gordon. 35% from the field, 23% from three. Jarrett Culver, minus four. Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier, both are minus 3.6. Oh, dear. Jay Crowder, minus 3.3. Fred Van Vliet, minus 3.3. Alfred Payton, minus 3.1. RJ Barrett, minus 2.9. Josh Okogie, Port Minnesota, minus 2.8. Cam Reddish, DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Hunter. Shabazz Napier, Minnesota. Malcolm Brogdon hasn't played much, though. Uh, he's played seven games, actually. He's a minus 2.3. Rajon Rondo, minus 2.3. Let's hope they don't get Darren Collison and put Rajon Rondo on the bench. That would make them much better. Tyler Heroes slipped off at minus 2.1. And Marcus Smart has minus 2. Al Horford minus 2 recently. That's surprising. Russell Westbrook a little bit better, just minus 2 instead of his usual minus 4. That is today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of podcast, Locked on NBA.